Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, our Savior, Redeemer, coming King. We thank you, Lord, that you bring peace and joy even in the midst of the storms of life and those that trouble our families. We pray for the families of First Baptist Church. We pray for their influence, for the sake of the gospel. We might serve you and you might be pleased with us as a church, a church filled with families. May we honor you in all that we do. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're with us today, if you have your Bibles, find your place in Genesis chapter number 16. Genesis chapter number 16. We're going to uh, begin to talk together, and I hope you'll invite your friends if they'd like to join us. And those of you who are online, may the Lord bless you. I forget to say that often. We're honored that you're with us, and thank you for your feedback and for the opportunity you have to join us wherever you are. So I want to talk to you about what I'm calling family secrets. You, you have to read this screen from the bottom up. Family secrets. Uh, maybe I should have whispered family secrets. Family matters. This is what we want to talk about together. And before I get into any of the detail and uh, while you're finding your place in Genesis 16, let me say these few things in the way of introduction. You see the Lord, your, your family, whatever condition it's in, your family matters to God and God designs to use your family to advance the gospel. That's his way. I remind this church as I've already spoken to you about it when we were looking in Genesis chapter one, this is the will of God. This is the will of God, not the world's way. This is God's way. That marriage and family consist of one man being married to one woman for life. Not one man and not one woman at a time married to one another. One man, one woman married to one another for life. And that the family is designed to be a place where children are brought into this world, generations, we just sang about it, generations come and that the family is a place that provides love and acceptance and support and encouragement. And the family is the primary place where we share with our children and our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, the gospel and the truths of God's word. We open the Bible to them. We pray together. We worship. We sing. You see, God purposed to bless the world through family. And that family is the family we'll be looking at in the next few weeks, the family of Abraham. In fact, let me just give you this bit of detail from, from the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, all the way through chapter 50 of Genesis. It's about one big clan one big family, the family of Abraham and his son Isaac and then Jacob. And then we find Jacob and we have this issue with Joseph. And so there's lots to talk about. There's no way that I can cover all of the things that need to be covered by looking at this. But I, I want to say to you today that the Lord Jesus Christ comes from the family of Abraham. If you open Matthew's gospel, the first, the first chapter, verse 1, it simply says, here's the genealogy of Jesus. And it says briefly this, son of David, son of David, son of Abraham. So we speak about the Lord Jesus Christ because through Abraham, through his family, uh, through uh, the birth of uh, the children in Abraham's family comes the Lord Jesus. 
and the one who changed the world. And so the Lord wants to use your family in our church. My prayer is that God will use our family. So we're talking about family. February the um, 16, 17, and 18, we'll be talking to you about it more. We're going to try to gather up all of our families within the family of First Baptist Church and have a family life weekend. We'll have some other things to say to you about it. It'll be fun, it'll be exciting. It's for all the family, young and old, moms, dads, and everybody else and children, and we'll talk about that. But you see, there's a thing that happens, and this is my burden to you. So we meet with people, and I have met with people all my ministry life, and like the man said to me, uh, who was such a delightful young man. God had done a great work in his life, and he was excited to, to serve the Lord, but he, he came to see me, and he was so sad. He said, he said uh, Pastor, God can't use me, and my family has too many family secrets and family matters that are a shame and a, and a terrible embarrassment. And so we talked about that together. And on the other side, I've been privileged in my ministry life to see men and women uh, and teenagers who come from really hard families with lots of family secrets. Lots of family secrets, but they overcome those by trusting in Jesus and they learn to live for the Lord. And many of those young people go on to have families that honor Jesus Christ and serve Him. But you see, my friend, when you have family secrets, it stalls out the work of God in your life. It can slow the progress of the gospel. All through the book of Acts, we have households being saved, households being saved. Moms and dads and, and children being saved. This is God's way. He moves through the life of a family. Now, I don't know the condition of all your families. I know many of the families in our church. But I want to remind you of this, and I speak for on behalf of myself and my wife, Pat. We have family secrets that God has to help us with. Oh, but let me tell you another secret. Are you ready? Every family in this church has family secrets. So we all have the same things to talk about. Oh, not us, Pastor Mike. We don't talk about family secrets. We don't go into those things. Well, you see, friend, I'm convinced that until you deal with your family secrets, bring them into the light, declare them and confess them to the Lord, you're going to be stalled sometimes in your life. Oh, you're joyous and you love the Lord and you're excited and you went to church and then you dread it. You got to go home to all those miserable people at the house. Family secrets, family matters. So let's read together just for the sake of time, a family secret of Abraham and Sarah, and I'll give you some background. And here's what we're going to do. It'll be the easiest way to go through this. We'll just work through the uh, chapter 16 of Genesis together, and I'll make several observations. I'll give them to you in just a moment. First of all, let's read chapter 16, verse one. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, by the way, I'm gonna use Sarah and Abraham, their names were changed when Abraham was circumcised. Uh, his name was changed and so was his wife, Sarah. She was Sarai, he was Abram. Sarai and then Abram. Sarah means princess. That was what her name was changed to. Abraham is speaking here. So uh, Abraham comes to know God and meets God by faith. So does Sarah. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had 
uh, born him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, or to Abraham, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, and perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Our focal truth today is this. I want to expand on what I've put here on the screen because I think this is what the text teaches us about dealing with family secrets. Here's what I would say to you. Here's what we'll learn today from Genesis 16. God sees and hears our family secrets. There's no place you can meet with some of the family and make a secret that God does not hear. God hears all that we say in our families. God hears all the whispers. God hears all of those clandestine plans that take place. And God sees how we treat one another in our families. And God provides grace to us to deal with our family secrets. So let's get to it. First of all, God had a family plan for Abraham. Let's just go back and take your Bible. And if you'll look with me in chapter number 12, I'll just follow, you just follow along. We'll read together. Notice uh, Abraham or Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Notice we already are told in the word of God in chapter number 11, verse 30, Sarah, Sarai was barren. She had no children. So here's the condition. They didn't have a doctor to go to, to diagnose this. They didn't have some hospital they could go to and see. Abram, Abraham marries Sarah and Sarah is barren. But God has a plan for them to have a child even though she cannot have children. This is the miracle of God. This is the way God works in the family. Chapter 12, verse one, now the Lord said to Abram, we don't know why God chose Abraham. In his sovereignty and in his own choice, he chose him. And so here is Abram. By the way, he's, he's been living, he's 75 years old when this story begins. I should mention to you just a little detail from Genesis 12 through Genesis 24 when Abraham, when Abraham dies is a hundred years of Abraham's life. There is no greater detail given to any couple married in the Bible than to Abraham and Sarah. We learn a lot of, gain a lot of insights into marriage and how it was working in these early days. So at 85, God, excuse me, at 75, God calls him out. And so the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives and from your father's house and to the land which I show you. If any of you people in here are 70 or older, what if God said to you, pack it all up, get all your clan and move. Okay, Lord, where are we going? I'm not gonna tell you, I'll tell you later. Now, have you accumulated anything? If you've lived in one place for 70 years, can you imagine how many storage units you would have to empty in order to accomplish God's purposes? He leaves Ur of Chaldees. He comes from a family of moon worshipers, pagans. He does not come to faith until he's 75 years old. Sarah is 10 years younger. She's 65. So there's a 10 year gap between them. God has a plan and the plan of God for the promised seed of Messiah comes through the family line of Abraham. So God chose Abraham. 
He said to him in verse two, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. This is the promise. So God makes a covenant agreement with him. And in chapter 15, we read in verse uh, number two, Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer? And Abram said, Abraham said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. So I guess, Lord, you've given me Eliezer. And then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him and said, this man will not be your heir. Please notice now the line. Notice what God says directly to Abraham. But one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Your body. Your body. This is an amazing statement for a man this old in life. And what do we read? Those wonderful words. In verse 6, then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned to him, reckoned it to him as righteousness. When Abraham believed the promise of God, God counted that as a righteous way of living, a righteousness that he did not have on his own. It's the same for all of us. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord trans He, he gives us transaction. He counts us as righteous, though we're unrighteous. That's the first act of faith. So now we have this man of faith and God has a family plan for him. From your body, in your old age, with your wife, you're going to have a child. But all of a sudden we pick up in chapter 16. In chapter 16, by the way, he goes on and we discover this now about the truth of God's word. God's word speaks about God's people with all warts and all. You see everything about God's people. So now all of a sudden this man who had faith uh, he, is, he is this one who's coming along and we're going to see him do all kinds of things. He's, he's, uh, he's going to struggle with fear. He's going to be in denial. He's going to try to cover up things for himself. Now in chapter 16, we saw what we find here, a secret plan that Sarah and Abraham come up with rather than the plan of God. I mentioned this to all of you families here today regardless of how old your children may be or your grandchildren, you know when you sit down to make your plans, do you include God in your plan making? Do you include Him in what you're thinking about doing? Whether it's uh, something related to your children or your grandchildren or something in your work or something else, well, how, how does God, is he, is he included in your family plans? Well, now all of a sudden Sarah has a plan. Sarah says to Abram, behold, the Lord has prevented me. This is chapter 16, verse two. Prevented me from bearing children. Please go and have sexual relations with my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. So Sarah was unable to have children. She was, she was, uh, she was tired of going to parties and showers for all the other women having children. She was, she was uh, knowing that uh, her time of being, being able to give children, to have children and have childbirth was, was almost over. She had, uh, she had, and we have to remember this now, Sarah and uh, Abraham are wealthy people. They come from the Ur of Chaldees as wealthy people. Uh, they are those who have accumulated a lot and they're rich. And so Sarah has this Egyptian maid named Hagar, the the, uh, the Jewish, the Hebrew people would call it Hagar, Hagar. Sarah's family plan was one that was the cultural plan of the day. 
This is what the culture said. If a, this is the culture of this ancient part of the world. If, you, if a woman can't have children by, uh, on her own, then she can, uh, she can have a surrogate take her place with the husband and have children. So she adopted the, the world's way. I can't have children, have a child with Hagar, my maid, and the children of Abraham and Hagar will be my children. And Abraham listened and accepted Sarah's plan. We don't know where they sat down to have this plan. We don't know all the details, but they had a plan. Sarah came up with the plan. Sarah failed to follow the headship and leadership of her husband. She came up with the plan. Abraham failed in his role of leading his family. He didn't have anything to say. He just, as we read in scripture, Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. He'd been listening to the voice of God. Now he listens to his wife. Sometimes you listen to your husband or wife and they're speaking and the Lord's speaking through them. But danger, danger. Sometimes, sometimes your spouse can speak to you and it's not God speaking to you. Abraham's faith was tested over and over. This is what I'm trying to say to you. You see, the Lord has put you in the circumstance, you know, like one fellow said to me, oh, how I love the Lord. I just can't figure out why he put me in this family. <laughs> well, perhaps God has something to teach you from being in that family. Perhaps that's the way God's going to test you and build your faith. You see, all of us are tested in our faith, in our families, and this is true for Abraham. Abraham's faith was tested by Sarah's plan. Is he going to trust God? Or is he going to trust this? This sounds much more convenient. This sounds easier. We can get on with it. Abraham failed the test. He agreed to commit this family plan that had terrible consequences, and it was now their little family secret. So we read in verse number three, after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. 10 years is a long time. I've known a lot of you people for 10 years or more. 10 years, 10 years goes by. So 10 years now go by. The plan's been discussed and hatched. And now we come. After 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife Sarah took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Abraham as his wife. Ten years after Sarah's family plan, the family secret took place. Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham. It seems rather awkward to read it. Here's a wife giving a young woman, we don't know her age, to her husband in order for them to be a husband and wife. So now polygamy, polygamy takes place in the word of God. You see, my dear friends, we're, we're forgetful of this one thing if we're not careful. Though the people of God, though the men of faith practiced them, themselves polygamy and practiced those things which dishonored God in sexual relationships with multiple women, the reality is that the word of God stands true to this very day. Can I tell you this just as a pastor who's been doing this a long, long time? I don't mean this to hurt anybody. I don't mean this to offend you. I'm talking to the teenagers here. I'm talking to the students here. You see, you have one chance. You have one chance to choose your mate. You have one chance to choose your mate. And so will you choose your mate based upon what God 
teaches you and shows you about a godly one or will you pick someone and your, your life will be miserable and destroyed. You see, God's plan is one woman married to one, one man married to one woman for their life. Not multiple marriages. And the scourge and pain of divorce has touched most of us in this room today. Either in our own lives or in the, or in the lives of our children and others. And the devastation of disobeying the command to stay married to one woman and one man for life. A man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. So much is said in that and sometimes overlooked when we come to this story. Now, in full disclosure, Sarah says, here's this young woman, Hagar. She's now your wife. And the Word of God, we read in the Word of God, in verse 4, he had sexual relations with Hagar. You see, Abraham did not take responsibility for leading his wife in this family decision. There's no evidence they prayed. They didn't talk to God about it. Abraham didn't bring up and remind Sarah of the promise of God. It was convenient. Out of his body will come an heir. So this looks like it'll work okay. Abraham didn't speak to God about it, and so now we discover what happens when we develop a plan that's not God's plan for our family. When we insert our own plans for God's plan and His way in families. Let's just read it from verse 4 to 6. Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar. She conceived, and when she saw, that is when Hagar saw that she had conceived, her mistress, that is Sarah, was despised in her sight. And Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in, in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her, her presence. What happens, when we, what happens when we commit sinful family secrets and disobey the will of God in our families? What, is, what happens when a husband and a wife make decisions in their family thinking that it's going to be better? we discover all the pain and misery that comes. All of a sudden, Sarah now is attacking Abraham in her resentment. You see, Hagar now has had sexual relations with Abraham and has had a child. Now she, now she in her wrong way, starts to look down upon Sarah. And all this, you know, look, I grew up around uh, women. I have four sisters. And when they started just looking at each other, I just went outside with the dog. That's what I did. Looking at, well, she looked at me. Okay. What well, you don't understand. She looked at me. Yes. And so one day, Hagar, now pregnant, looked at Sarah. And there was spite in her look. And Sarah blames Abraham for having a child with Hagar, though she came up with the plan. And Abraham takes no responsibility in the plan. I told Brother Jeff when I was working on this earlier this last week, 
A man with two wives does not have a happy life. Abraham despises Hagar, leaves her hanging out to dry, tells his wife, well, his one wife, do what you want with her. And Sarah treated this woman harshly. So she runs away. You see, doing God's work man's way is sin. Doing God's work and doing God's will to help him out in it, and do it in some ways that are convenient to us when we don't wait on God, it has tremendously powerful consequences on our personal lives. And many of us in this room have made choices we regret. We've made family plans with our husband and our wife or with our children or grandchildren. And now, sadly, those things have unraveled and pain has come in our life. Now we find this dear girl, this dear woman, Hagar, we don't know her age, young enough to bear children, a younger woman than Sarah by many years. Now she runs away being treated harshly. We don't know what Sarah did, but there was a, there was a, a big fight in Abraham's house because of the family secret. And this woman who is pregnant now, homeless, uh, runs away and we pick up reading in verse seven. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness and the angel of the Lord asked her some questions about, notice Hera, uh, Hagar, verse eight, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress. And then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. And then the angel goes on and says, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will uh, be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. Ishma. Ishma means to hear. Ishmael. God hears. You shall call his name Ishmael. God hears. The angel says to this dear woman who's confused, frustrated, doesn't know what to do, all alone. She doesn't have any power. She's been in many ways taken advantage of. And the angel says, you shall have a son and his name will be God hears because the Lord has given heed. God has seen, he has heard your affliction. So the angel comes and what do we see, my dear friends? We see that God is found by this, this one who was hurting because of a family secret. That might be some of you today. You've lived in a world in your family of abuse and uh, neglect and mistreatment for all of your days. You wonder if anybody knows. Well, you see, in this story, here we have this amazing couple whom we honor and glorify and we should because of their unbelievable faith. But there's a family secret. They tried to help God accomplish the purpose and it all unraveled into a miserable mess. God found Hagar in her loneliness and rejection and pain. God directed her to go back, go back and submit. And she did. And God blessed her in her loneliness and her helpless condition. 
And God assured her of, her of his blessing on her. Hagar learned in her family distress. This is for some of you today. You've been living with family distress all of your life. You've struggled with it all of your life. Remember this. God hears what's happened in your life. He hears the way you've been treated and what's been said to you. And God knows what you've been going through. And God has a way of providing grace for you regardless of your circumstances. I neglected to mention something to you just before I finish today that I think is very important for me to say. Because it is often, as I mentioned, overlooked when we think about multiple marriages and people in our world. You see, sexual relationships have become so common. Uh, immorality is so common and fornication and adultery is so common, we think that's what you do. But may I remind you of this, and I'll just be brief, but I don't want to miss it here. You see, when Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, what happened between them is what God has designed for only two people to experience with each other in their life in sexual relationships, becoming one. When sexual relationships occur, it brings the emotions together. It ties hearts together. It tenderizes a person toward another person, regardless of whether they've had a ceremony or not. When sexual relationships take place outside of marriage, you take all of that emotional baggage and you carry it with you with that person whom you had sexual relations with who is not your husband or your wife. Students, sex isn't made for those outside of marriage. You, this is a part of having sexual relations when we're married and we say I do and we commit to live with another person for life and give ourselves to them. But I remind you of this simply to say, then when relationships are broken and a man and a woman's relationship is severed, there's one thing that's not severed. There's one thing that remains. Those sexual relationships remain and the emotions and the feelings will always be there. The way I describe it is like this. When two people come to be married and become one, it's like taking a piece of scotch tape and putting it on a piece of paper. They become one. When two people separate and decide they cannot live any longer together and they break their marriage and they go with someone else, and begin to have a sexual relation, that other relationship is broken. It's like what happens when you tear scotch tape off of a paper. There's always paper left on the scotch tape when you take it off. So for the rest of your life, however, whatever may happen in your life, you carry with you part of that person and the emotional relationship you had for the rest of your life. Your children are affected by it. Your grandchildren are affected by it. Your great-grandchildren are affected by it. Our decisions matter. What we do matters. When we do not listen to God, we, we, ex we experience a world of family secrets that we've been told, many of us, and I was one of them as a child, we don't talk about our family secrets. But you see, I believe there's something else we should remember today. What do we remember and I'll be finished. 
As we, as we start this today, and thank you for listening, you're listening so carefully, I want, you to, I want to ask you a question. Who are you in the story? Who are you in the story today? You find yourself more like Hagar because of what's happened in your family of origin? You've tried to cover it up. You don't really want a lot of people to know about that. Somehow you think if people knew what family secrets you have, they'd have less respect for you and they wouldn't honor you and they wouldn't love you like they do, but that, that's really not true. That's a lie. Who are you in the story? Are you Abraham? Are you Sarah? I do mention to you women who are in this room today, you wives, and uh, you don't have to be mad at me. I'm simply reminding you that Sarah fell into the same pattern as Eve. She had a better plan. And uh, Abraham was like so many men. Not, com not, com not complicit and not, in, uh, not leading in his family to say to his wife, perhaps that's not what we ought to do. Maybe we ought to talk about this. So we see both of them failing in their roles and their responsibility. Sinful family decisions rely upon human wisdom, not the wisdom of God. Who are you in the story? Or perhaps you're all of these people in the story in a lot of ways. You see, sinful family decisions produce sinful family secrets. And when we don't deal with our family secrets, it impacts the advancement of the gospel. God has chosen to use the family to advance the gospel. To advance the gospel. In only in heaven will I be able to ask the Lord and understand why would you have allowed the things to happen in my family life growing up as a boy. For you to, be, to have that same answer where you see the glory of God is in us trusting Him in all of our circumstances and our distress. And may I say this to you? May I say this to you to remind you today, this is very important. Every day you make decisions in your family. And every day you husbands and wives make decisions, it impacts your children and your grandchildren. You know, we spoke about foster children all last year, and we'll continue to remind ourselves of that. I wonder what kind of Christmas some of them had this year. They really didn't have a lot of control on the decisions that their parents have made in their life. So mark it down today as we start a new year. Every time you meet to have a family plan, you should ask, is this God's family plan or our family plan. And may I remind you of these sin, you can't take back sinful decisions and they have lasting consequences. They produce shame, they produce cover up, they're repeated by generations of people to come. You see, we find in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob one common trait they were all liars in order to protect themselves. So today I want you to remember that some of the things that have happened in your life, God forgives them and they move on, but other things, you live with them all the days of your life. I like what Charles Swindoll said, every act is forgivable, but the effects of some sins are not erasable. You've got it, don't you? It's a part of your family. That's who you are. And if you've been here in Dixon, why I'm sure people know 
all about your family. But you know, lift your head up. Here's the good news. God sees and knows everything that's happened in your family. And God sees and knows the relationship you have decided to have to follow Him, even if all your family has not believed in the Lord Jesus. So whether all of your family believes or some believe, you see, the reality is we have one who sees us, who cares about us, who hears us. Oh, the angel of the Lord found this dear girl, Hagar, in her distress. In your family distress, remember there's a God who sees you. There's a God who hears you. And there is a God who will help you. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Him. Call on Him. Trust Him. And do this. Here's, here's a great thing you can do. Just tell the Lord your family secrets. Go ahead and just tell them to Him. Let Him know. Lord, this happened to me in my life and this is what it's done to me. Oh, you say, well, Pastor Mike, he already knows, but that's okay. Tell him anyway. It's good to put it in the light. You put it in the light and then you go on and you trust the Lord. So today we remember the danger of making our own decisions outside of the plan of God. Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. God hears and knows our family secrets. And the Lord will help us overcome those terrible choices we make that go against the will of God. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near to the door all the turmoil and struggles and troubles in family life, the Lord Jesus is near the door. Where, where children no longer have any respect for their parents and the love of all has grown cold in these dark, difficult days, when we seek to serve the Lord in our families, I want you to look up, my friend. Look up. Your redemption draws near. And we pray in our family conditions, come Lord Jesus. Amen.